Do you become so attached to things that when it's time to buy something new to replace it, that uh, you don't want to get rid of it? You try to fix it up and keep it in, keep it uh, from uh, having to be discarded. Rockville Radio 7.77 is on the web. Each podcast we bring you interviews and music with a goal of lifting up the name above all names, Jesus, the rock of our salvation. Straight from the Rockville Radio 7.77 studio here in Southern California. Scroll through Havana's Instagram geotag and you'll see countless photos of colorful cars. The streets of Cuba are teeming with 60,000 classic American cars, and it's an iconic experience for the island's visitors. A majority of tourists can tell a story about riding down the Malacón in a hot pink Chevy Bel Air or driving through Havana City Center in a baby blue Cadillac. But how did these classic cars get there? And more importantly, why did they stay? Well, that's a that's a little quick um, part of a report there, a little clip from uh, Insider, and that's uh, you can you can find that on YouTube. And what's being talked about there is the the fact that in Cuba, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but Cuba is like the classic automobile. I don't know. I don't want to say it's a classic automobile um, center of the world, but there are, at least according to that report right there, there are around 60,000, as you heard her say, 60,000 classic American cars on the streets in Cuba. Now, that's as of 2018, which is about four years ago now. That's because people down in Cuba don't get rid of the cars. They repair them and they hang on to them as long as they can. And according to... Anywhere.com. This is uh, some more information from the internet here. Um, experts estimate that about half of these cars the, in Cuba, half of the 60,000, hail from the 1950s, while 25% are from the 1940s, and another 25% are from the 1930s. Uh, these cars are often family heirlooms, is according to what this article said. And they were imported into Cuba uh, for about 50 years, beginning with the beginning of the 20th century and right around mid-20th century when Castro came into power there and uh, brought in the communist regime in Cuba. Castro banned the importation of American cars and the mechanical parts. And so that what they were forced to do down there was to keep the cars running as long as they could. And the result is what you just heard. There are 60,000 classic American vehicles roaming the streets of Cuba. And um, it is just so fascinating when you watch that video because they've done everything they could to uh, hang on to them. The um, says right here, since the country lacks replacement parts, and in some cases the necessary tools for fixing the vehicles, the locals are extremely crafty and adept in their repairs. Quite simply, Cuban ingenuity has kept these old American cars on the road. Mechanics find ways to use imperfect parts and keep things 
running. Isn't that amazing? That's just absolutely astonishing that they're able to uh, keep cars on the road that long down there. Of course, we, you know, we have a few here in America, you know, it's not unusual to see somebody driving a classic car from the 20s, but we're talking 60,000 of these vehicles down there on the streets in, uh, in that country. That is just phenomenal. In this brand new year, I'd like you to consider uh, something. You know, I was uh, doing a daily devotional the other day, uh, right as we were approaching the new year. And uh, I realized that I struggle with having to do new things, having to face new things, and even having to buy new things as even though it's going to be beneficial to buy something new to replace something old. Well, recently, and I guess the reason I'm bringing all this up is because it's difficult to let go of things. Now, the Cubans there, as you heard in this little report here by Insider from the internet, from YouTube, the girl there, the reporter, as she mentioned it, you know, they're doing that out of necessity because they're in a communist country, and uh, they were forced into a situation where they had to hang on to the past. And, it, and it, it's just so bizarre when you look at the, the video there. It literally looks like you're looking at the past, even though that video was made in 2018. The street is filled with these uh, 1950s Chevys and Fords and Cadillacs, like, like you heard her mention. But I believe God... We get to a point, though, where the Lord often wants us to let go of the past. Now, when we come into a new year, there is uh, an opportunity to, to let go of the past. I was also reading, you know, Billy Graham has a wonderful devotional book called Wisdom for Each Day. And on uh, December 31st, of his book, he says this. This is uh, it's connected with Philippians three thirteen through fourteen, and that that passage says, "But uh, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward, to, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." Graham says, "What are your thoughts as you look back over the last year?" Was it a year of heartache and loss, tragedy and sorrow, or happiness and joy, success and achievement, or something in between? Do you close the book on this year with regret or with relief? No matter what your answer is, I hope you will pause and prayerfully ask yourself two important questions. First, how do you think God looks on this past year in your life? Did it bring you any closer to Him? Did it expose any weaknesses or find you wandering from His way? Was he disappointed in your responses to its challenges? Second, what lessons will you take from this year into the next? What did God teach you? What did he try to teach you? What needs to change and how will it happen? Don't be bound by the past and its failures. Paul's goal was to forget the past and press on in obedience to Christ. But don't forget the lessons either. And that's from Billy Graham's devotional, Wisdom for Each Day. 
Um, I think that the thing that the reason this, as I started to say, it was it came to my attention. My TV broke down before the new year, and I've had the television set there for 22 years. I was very comfortable with that TV set. Uh, now, granted, it was a as the tube, the picture tube TV, 27 inch, so it's not not even wasn't even a flat screen TV. But I'm just very very comfortable with that set and had watched a whole bunch of uh, programs on that over the last 22 years, including DVDs that I rented and and uh, other programs that were on satellite. And even on, eventually I even got the free, the free antenna, the antenna for the free TV. So I hated to let go of that thing. And I just trying to figure out how I could repair it so I could keep it. I was looking on YouTube for all kinds of tips on the, the big Zenith 27-inch TV, and nobody had any, there, were noth, there was nothing there as far as videos uh, that showed you how to repair it. Even it might have even just been a simple thing like the on-off switch. So reluctantly, I had to pry my fingers loose of that TV and put it out in the trash, and I had to have it hauled away by the trash man, and then I had to go buy a new one. And uh, lo and behold, the new one is a flat-screen TV, and I'm getting used to it. I can see why people buy them. They're, you know, they're high definition. This, this one's a high definition TV. And uh, it's about a thousand times better than the uh, the tube TV. Same thing happened with my uh, cell phone. Um, I happen to have a 3G cell phone. And as of the end of this year, those were going to be obsolete. So you had to upgrade to the 4G. And uh, reluctantly... Went over to the store and had to look at buying a 4G phone, which is a better phone, much nicer, but still hard to part with that the the, the cell phone that I I'd had for a couple of years. Just didn't want to let it go. Trying to figure out a way to keep it. Well, you know the uh, and as you heard as you heard me say there. Uh, from Billy Graham's devotional, he was talking about what the Apostle Paul said. Well, also, I think there's a great, another great example in the uh, New Testament as well. And that's when uh, Jesus was confronted by the disciples of John, and uh, they came to him, and they asked him, uh, says right here from this is from Matthew chapter 9. So I want you to get the picture here. These are the apostles of John. They're coming to Jesus and they're asking, they're saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast and your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the groom cannot mourn as long as the groom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the groom is taken from them and then they will fast. And then he got even more explicit here. He to really help them understand what he was trying to say, he said in verse 16 of chapter 9 of Matthew, he said, But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. 
Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. This is from Matthew 9, verses 14 through 17. So, Jesus was explaining to them that he um, did not come to repair the old system they were used to, but to bring in a new system. Now, before I go any further, I know we're already quite a ways into the program, but I'd like to take a moment to pray as we take a real good look at this whole idea of the new, discarding the old for the new, coming as we're coming into a new year. This is an appropriate time to talk about the new over the old. Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me for my sins, Lord. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. And it's a new year and how you make things new, Lord, and that we need to be willing to receive them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, David Guzik, he writes a he has a commentary that is uh, put on the internet with something called the Blue Letter Bible, but he also has his own website. And, um, oh, I love what he, I love his take on this. He said this, he said, when he talked about it, he said, Jesus' reference to the wineskins was his announcement that the present institutions of Judaism could not and would not contain his new wine. He would form a new institution, the church, uh, that would bring Jew and Gentile together into a completely new body. It's from Ephesians 2.16. Jesus reminds us that the what is old and stagnant often cannot be removed, re- often cannot be renewed or reformed. God will often look for new vessels to contain his new work until those vessels eventually make themselves unusable. This reminds us that the religious establishment of any age is not necessarily pleasing to Jesus. Sometimes it's in direct opposition to, or at least resisting, his work. Jesus came to introduce something new, not to patch up something old. This is what salvation is all about. In doing this, Jesus doesn't destroy the old, the law, but he fulfills it, just as an acorn is fulfilled when it grows into an oak tree. There is a sense in which the acorn is gone, but its purpose is fulfilled in greatness. Oh, this is just, that is the best way I've heard that said. And uh, I know a very good friend of mine, George Gutierrez, who people have probably heard, he's he's on episode number one here of our Rockville Radio podcast back from 2020. And George often loved, loves to um, refer to David Guzik when he's teaching the Bible, and uh, I can see why. So, as you can see there, as you as you heard there, it isn't it isn't patching things up and hanging on to them. Often, what God wants is to uh, introduce something new, and then we need to embrace it. Now, there are times, yes, when, as I mentioned, you know, you, uh, you heard about the people in Cuba there. They couldn't, they couldn't discard. They, can't, they still can't discard those cars. They need them uh, because they are living under a communist regime over there. 
But when it comes to the things of God, he is always doing something new. And uh, the difficulty is embracing that, accepting it, and uh, going with it. The Bible says in Psalm 1, sorry, the Bible says in Psalm 33, it's Psalm 33, verse 3, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. You know, the, there are a number of times when uh, that's mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, as a musician myself, it's difficult to learn new songs sometimes, and it's easy to just stick with the, uh, the old ones. But when he says sing a new song, it's a challenge, and I better be willing to uh, learn it and play it. Here's another great verse that is from Isaiah 43, and it's Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. It says, Do not call to mind the former things, or consider things of the past. Behold, I am going to do something new, and now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And that's a reminder. I, I remember hearing Pastor Chuck Swindoll talk about that. He said that it's a, a reminder that we should not live in the past. And uh, I'm so guilty of living in the past because it's, it's just so much easier sometimes, especially... Recently, when a lot of the challenges happened within the last couple of years, and so much of the our lives was were changed, I found myself longing for the past, longing for the way things were before the the uh, pandemic hit, and uh, a lot of um, just a lot of regrets, a lot of um, sadness, but. At the same time, I, I love being reminded by the Lord over and over again that He's always able to do something new and that we should not live in the past, even though it's easier to do, to do. especially now with the internet, because you can go back and look at things. Uh, um, you can go back and look at videos and things like that from the past, um, Again, I'm a musician, so I get, I, get, I get caught up sometimes watching old concerts and ba old bands from the past, and yet um, all that does is puts me puts my focus on the rearview mirror, mirror instead of the window in front of me. And uh, that's that analogy that a very very good pastor, a couple of very good pastors have used that analogy. And uh, they, I've heard several of them say, a couple of them say at least, that uh, just like you drive your car, you don't want to be focused on the rearview mirror. You want to be focused on the window in, and what's in front of you on the road up ahead so that you don't have an accident. So, and then you heard the passage that I shared with you from the Apostle Paul, and what he had to say about the, about, uh, that was from Philippians 3, where he talked about uh, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The, there's a, little, a nice little devotional called Our Daily Bread. And um, I love this. I love the, uh, reading this every day along with regular uh, Bible reading that I do. And this is from the Our Daily Bread that is put out by the Radio Bible Class Ministries. It's actually Our Daily Bread Ministries, but it's Radio Bible Class that also is kind of the parent ministry. And this talks about, it It says right here, the fresh start effect. When Byrony turned 30, she was sad to still be in a sales job she'd never liked. She decided it was time to stop procrastinating and find a new career. For David, New Year's Eve had him looking in the mirror, vowing this would be another year he lost weight. And for James, it was watching another month pass without his angry outburst decreasing. Next month, he promised himself he would try harder. If you've ever vowed to change at the start of a new month, new year, or a major birthday, you're not alone. Researchers even have a name for it, the fresh start effect. They suggest that at calendar points like these, we're more prone to, we're more prone to assess our lives and try putting our failures behind us to start over. Wanting to do better, wanting to be better people, we long for a fresh start. And you know, the Jesus offers us that opportunity, and um, all of this. Well, let me let me finish by it says right here. Let me just finish what it says right here. Faith in Jesus speaks powerfully to this longing offering a vision of what our best selves can be and calling us to leave our past lives behind, our past selves behind. It offers this change not by decisions and vows alone, but by divine power. When we believe in Jesus, we become new people, and God's Spirit works in us to make us whole. Receiving salvation in Jesus is the ultimate fresh start, and it doesn't need to wait for a special calendar date. Your new life can start right now. So, everything that we're saying here is, I'm hoping, pointing us to to that conclusion. And that is that uh, if you're looking for, if you're wanting to start a new life, if you're wanting to start a new year, off right and perhaps you and you maybe have never ever considered or you may have considered giving your life to Jesus Christ but haven't done it this is an opportunity for you to let go of the past stop trying to hang on to your old lifestyle stop trying to patch it up like like a piece of old cloth Stop trying to make it adapt, make a way to um, adapt, adapt it uh, as, as Jesus talked about with the wine. They had to take the wine and pour it into new wineskins. They couldn't pour it into the old wineskins or it, the skins would break 
and the wine would spill all over the place. So our lives are the same way. We reach a point where uh, we can't really go any further without God's help. And I don't know, maybe you listened to the episode that I had done before this one with a good friend of mine, Gurnett Ferguson, Cappy, Fergie, we called him. Um, and in there, that episode talks about how I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I had, I had gotten as far as I was going to go, which was nowhere, and uh, it became really obvious that I needed to let go of the past and take hold of Jesus Christ and a new life. So the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Give your life to Jesus Christ, and you can, you can have a new life. You can have a new start, and you don't have to try to fix up anything. The mess that you've got in your life right now, no, let, you can't fix that. You've tried, and you've failed. Jesus can fix it. He can give you a new life, and he wants to, he wants to give you the best life that you'll ever have, not only here on earth, but in heaven. So pray with me now, and, um, and you can have a new start for this new year. Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. I repent. My life is not what it should be. I've tried to patch things up. I've tried to fix things over and over again. I've tried to repair things. I've tried to keep things going, just like, just like an old car from the 1950s on the streets of Havana. I've tried to keep it going, and it's just not getting anywhere. And so, Lord, right now, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart. I want to give my life to you. I want a, I want a new life. I want a new beginning for this new year. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so I, um, I hope, I trust that you've said that prayer and uh, look forward to what he's going to do. Look forward to what Jesus will do now in this new year. God bless you. Mm-hmm.